Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on hmm. the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the man that once hit a hole-in-one on a par-5 with a putter. Word. Dave Burles. Berlin. Man, I freaking wish, Doc. Ooh. <laughs> Boy, that'd be like Kyle Berkshire out there. Have you seen them? He hits a putter like 300 yards on a YouTube video. It's crazy. Wow. I need to check that out. Maybe we need him on the show. Maybe... Maybe oh, man. we need him on the show, be... you know. I was just going to say maybe yeah. it was a par five on a putt-putt course and I didn't tell the listening audience, oh. you know. Uh, you were just keeping that, yeah, just a little I'm, under the cup. That's right. I'm pretty I'm pretty killer, on, not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty killer on a putt-putt course, Dave. I'm pretty pretty we'll good. Have to, we'll have to have a match. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good on putt-putt. On regular golf... Nope. You would obviously win. So but true. But putt I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's anything goes. Anyone's game, man. Exactly. It's exactly. True. Uh, Dave, your wedding is this year. We've talked about it. Yes, uh, sir. November. Now uh, it's it's in it's in Los Cabos, in Mexico, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Now, for Mexico. folks unaware, that is at the end of the Baja Peninsula. Now, yes. how much Baja California? How much do you know about Cabo, Dave? Hmm. Oh, dude, I know very little. Okay, oh, um. we're gonna get we're gonna get <laughs> educated. Are you ready? I like it. Yes. Let's go. Yes, I'm gonna give you a little quiz right now about Cabo, and by the end of the quiz, mm-hmm. you'll know Cabo. You'll be ready. You'll be ready. Here we I go. Can go quiz Kayla. Yes! Here we go. Uh, Dave, first question. What is mm-hmm. the common nickname for Cabo San Lucas? I've got four choices. Here we go. A, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the world's nightclub. Mm. B, oh. Earth's End. C, mm-hmm. Paradise Point. Or D, the place where Dave's single life died. Oh! Which one is it? Which one is the uh, common nickname? <laughs> I think um, I'm going to say C because it is the very end of that tip of the Baja Peninsula. Wait, are you saying C was Paradise Point? B is Earth's End. Oh, okay. No, Paradise Point. Paradise Point. Uh, you're actually, it's Earth's End. Earth's End is the nickname for Cabo San Lucas, specifically to the rock structures at the end of the peninsula. There's a very iconic, they call it the Ark. Uh, that is the that arc, is Earth's yeah. End. Very, very cool. It's very majestic looking, Dave. Very majestic. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of our um, excursions is a... Nice. Snorkeling around that. As well it should be. As well it should be. Um, Okay, here we go. Which war had its last battle in Todos Santos on the Baja Peninsula? Was it A, Hmm. the Spanish-American War? B, 
the Mexican-American War. C, the French and Indian War. Or D, the Civil War. A. You're going A, Spanish-American War. Yes. B, the Mexican-American War. Yes. Oh, dang it. I know, I know. I thought I'd throw you because you're like, there's no way it'd be the Mexican-American War if this is in Mexico. He wouldn't go so blatant. Right. That's No, I was that blatant. It ended... That's, that's uh, very blatant. Slightly Jeez. north of Toto Santos' uh, skirmish of in March 1848. And that was right before the United States Congress ratified a Guadalupe Hidalgo Treaty. That's a fact. There we go. Okay. Mm. Three. Which celebrity owns the Cabo Wabo Cantina? Is it A, uh, George once Clooney? Once you say this, I'll know it. B, uh-huh. Mike Tyson. C, no. Sammy Hagar. D, yes. Ben Doc G. Gordon. Unfortunately, you do not own it, but what? it is Sammy Hagar. Okay, <laughs> you got me. I don't own it. But keep in mind, Dave, I not, am. Not yet. For your, keep in mind, for your wedding, I'm a huge celebrity in Cabo. Nope. I will be signing autographs nonstop when I'm there, just so you, you know. You will be. You will be. We um, have a lot of listeners. But, yeah, every time we told, um, you know, someone who was, like, over 40 about our wedding. Wait, what? They'd be like, oh, you're going to go see Cabo Wabo, right? And we're like, what's that? <laughs> and they're like, oh, you know, it's a bar. Sammy Hagar owns it. And we're like, who's that? <laughs> Lead singer of Van Halen. Come on, guys. Yeah, I've been told that numerous times now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. True or false? My father almost drowned in a fishing trip with my Uncle Jack and Uncle Edward off the coast of Cabo in 1975. Hmm. Man, this is that's very specific, so I have to say true. <laughs> <laughs> I threw you. False. It was off the uh, coast of 76. Acapulco. No, Acapulco. Um, Little further south in Mexico. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm. Uh, let's see. Ooh, what's you sneaker? What's the coldest temperature ever recorded in Cabo San Lucas? Was it A, thirty three point eight mm. degrees Fahrenheit? B, forty four point mm. three degrees Fahrenheit? C, forty nine point mm. two degrees Fahrenheit? Or D, fifty three? Hmm. Um. B forty four. A. 33.8. It. Yeah. It's freezing. Yeah. Now, Dave, if it is 33 at your wedding, I'm going to be highly offended. Just to let you know. So true. Yeah, I'm going to going to be <laughs> high, <laughs> highly offended. Just like, we came here, we came to the beach. Why? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to have a heating blanket that I'm going to be under just to let you know. Um we'll okay. Be parked at the fire pit. Yes, yes, a big old fire pit, and I'll be roasting marshmallows, mm. and I will be toasty. Uh, which of the toes off. Which of the following restaurants is not in Cabo? McDonald's, A, Starbucks, B, Dairy Queen, C, or D, Hooters? Hmm. Oh, man. Um, 
Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Hooters. Hooters is no oh. longer there. Yeah. Dave, oh. I, you're going to probably oh. have to replan the wedding now. I understand. You can't go to yeah, a place without a Hooters. We... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they had a location. have the rehearsal dinner? <laughs> you're now, amen. 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 They closed the Hooters in 2015. Oh. So, sad. I didn't know one could fail like that. Yeah, apparently. But Dairy Queen, still going strong. Still, there you still, go. Still serving those upside-down blizzards. That's right. Thick as they come, man. Uh, okay, here we go. Which golf, uh, which golfer has not designed a course in Cabo? Hmm. Was it A, Tiger Woods, B, Jack Nicklaus, C, Greg Norman, or D, no. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Nice. Good job. There it is. Of I did course. some research. <laughs> of course, Dave. Of course, Dave would get the golf one right. Of course, that would happen. Okay. Last uh, question in the uh, Cabo quiz. In mm -hmm. not, in 1842, 1842, how many houses? We're in Cabo San Lucas. A, oh, one. Man. B, mm -hmm. two. C, 36. Oh, or D, 57. Uh, um, two. B. Nice. You ended on a high note, Dave. Well what done. What a streak. Yes. There. Good stuff. Who, what were the two? Was it like a lighthouse and. It apparently, it was the two dudes that were there at the time. Uh, there were just two dudes. Wow. Apparently, there was a Japanese castaway that ended up in uh, in Cabo, and when he recorded his time, like his diary there, he said there were two mm -hmm. houses in Cabo. So, there it is. Wow. There it is. Uh, Dave, that. do you feel adequately familiar with the city you will be wed in now? Yes, I feel like I know more about it than Kayla now, which, nice. you know, through the wedding planning has not been the case. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now you've got all kind. You can tell her. You can tell her the horrible news. They uh, uh, replan the rehearsal dinner. It's not happening at Hooters. Oh, come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Are you ready to fire up the show, Dave? Let's fire it up, bud. All three engines up and burning. Two, one. Zero and lift off. Oh my goodness, Dave. Great show. We've got one. Say what? We've got one. Uh an extravagant young lad just tearing up the musical scene. He's he's a ball mm -hmm. of energy. He's uh he's a born entertainer, and I'll tell you, mm -hmm. he makes some good songs. He makes some good songs. Barnes Courtney yes! on the show. Yes. I love that his name's Barnes. Barnaby. Right, I know that's that's like a that's a very distinct name. I like it. It's very English, which he was born in England, so it makes sense, you know. Oh. Uh, but Barnaby, oh. right? Barnaby. Oh, mm. Barnaby. 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 Oh. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, we've got Barnaby, and I'm excited about it. It's coming up. So true. Uh, but first, yes, we sir. need to start where we start. A birthday suit. Yep. Happy birthday. Mr. 
president. Okay, uh, Dave, we've got we've got a foosball player here. A little bit of a football player. Um, okay. I'm confident. Okay. Uh, I'm actually even probably more confident than what I gave it, but I gave it 98.5%. Jeez. Okay. So confident if you if you got this i mean i actually i should put this at 100 if you didn't get this uh i would say you probably were getting early stage alzheimer's or dementia so um anyways born on january 20th 1989 in austin texas our birthday suit wearer was the son of restaurant owners but a birthday suit wearer himself loves sports instead he went to westlake high school and his junior and senior year, he threw for 5,658 yards, 56 wow. touchdowns, breaking the records held by Drew Brees. Wow. He also excelled mm. in basketball, where he received team MVP honors twice. He ended up mm. going to Michigan State, but ultimately transferred to the University of Arizona. His junior and senior years, he started for the team and was ranked uh, first in passing in the Pac-12. He was selected in the third round by Philadelphia Eagles, 88th overall. Even though he was the backup quarterback for Michael Vick. Is this big up- Nick? What's that? Is this big Nick Foles? That's it. That's it. Let's he- go. That's it. You got it, man. I, I, I threw you off. That must not have been in your in your searches for um, it was biography. It wasn't surprisingly. <laughs> um, he uh, uh, where was? I? Oh, in 2015, the Eagles traded our birthday suit wearer to the St. Louis Rams. He went to the Kansas City Chiefs for a year. Then in 2017, made his way back to the Philadelphia Eagles. Supposed to be Carson Wentz back up, but in week 14, Carson went down towards ACL. Our birthday suit wearer led the Eagles to their only Super Bowl win and won MVP. In 2019, Mm. he signed a four-year contract with Jaguars. Mm. That didn't turn out so Mm. well. And uh, he was traded to the Chicago Bears. Mr. Nick Foles. There it is, man. man. I wish I had early onset dementia about that signing, <laughs> but I still wish Nick the best and happy birthday. And you know, sad it couldn't happen in Jacksonville. He's just one of those guys. I think he just needs the pressure, man. He needs. He can't be the starting quarterback. He needs the pressure coming off the bench, and like, because every yeah. time his back's been against the wall in his career, he's performed amazing. I mean, True. when he came in for Michael Vick, he performed amazing. I mean, he had a season with 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Jeez. What? Right. What? And then, Very I mean, th- then he comes back and he, he wins a MVP and gets a, 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 a statue put outside for it. Girl, come on. But it's just... <laughs> You know, by by himself, it just it just didn't work. And I mean, obviously, it didn't it didn't it didn't start out so well. I mean, literally in the first game, up oh, he's out, shoulders bad. I know he and, threw a touchdown. He literally threw a touchdown and got hurt on the same play, and it was done. Yeah, and then I mean, then he just came back in, and, and Minshew magic had already happened to that point, and so mm-hmm. people weren't vibing with it. And there you go. And then he had shipped off to Chicago, but. You know what, Nick Foles? Happy birthday, man. Turning the big 3-2 yep. 
Three two for Nick. Happy birthday, Nick. There we, there we go. Football left. Yes. Uh, Okay, Dave, you ready? Rip some headlines. Hmm. Let's rip it, Doc. It's now time for rip from the headlines. Dave, we need to start off this ripped from the headlines with a belated happy birthday, not to Nick Foles, but to Dr. Oh. James Chow. Say what? Yeah. Okay. Happy birthday, Dr. Chow. Yeah, Dr. Chow turned 101 last week. Mm. One Still oh. practicing. No, no. So he's a PhD. <laughs> he's a PhD. So uh, Dr. Okay. Chow was born in China in 1920 Uh and he moved to honolulu Uh in 1956 he was a he was a a professor of engineer at the university of hawaii manau and he retired in 1988 Uh he decided Uh he needed to do something you know jump start his retirement so he joined 24-hour fitness in pearl city Uh, when Dr. Chow joined 24-Hour Fitness, he was 20 pounds overweight uh-huh. and diabetic. But not anymore. He's been hitting the gym no six kidding. days a week now for the past 33 years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Even, even in the pandemic, the gym says he rarely misses a day. He comes in, socially distanced, mask on, and cranks the workout. There it is. Man, a 101-year-old doing... We have no excuses. That's right. None. No excuse, man. I'll tell you, that dude, though, he looks happy to be there. They had some video of Dr. Chow. He was like, yeah, yeah this is me working out. How does he I'm get there? Getting it, getting it. And they gave him a cake. There it is. They gave him a cake, too, for 101, which, you know, I was like, yeah, hey. good. I was like, don't try to push him back into that diabetic oh, come on. Uh, that diabetic <laughs> lane. Come on, guys. Right. That, uh, he deserves <laughs> it. He worked out enough. You go, Dr. Chow. Happy birthday, man. Uh, okay. Dave, I'll tell you right now. This is just This is mm-hmm. just an idea of mine, but I'll tell you it's not a good idea. To start your first okay. day of work um, at a new job by injecting bath salts and fentanyl. Wait, what? It's just not. True. It's just don't it's, do that. Just don't. It's. I mean, it's not a good idea. And I'll tell you, Carl from Pennsylvania. Hmm. He didn't get the message. Yeah. He didn't. No. Didn't hear it. So uh, Carl's from Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. uh, he thought. That uh, on his first day uh, work, he would uh, do that, and everything would go well. Now, um, granted, it was his first day at work at the Econo Lodge, so that does change things because, I mean, most things sound better than working a full sober day at the Econo Lodge in Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania. I mean... Definitely. <laughs> no offense to listeners at the Econo Lodge in Harrisonburg, ten, uh, Pennsylvania, but come on. Come on. It's it's not a great place, guys. It's not the best place. Nope. Anywho, Carl, on his first day, started the day off by injecting himself uh, with fennel, fentanyl and basalts, um, yep. which almost immediately caused him to uh, take off all of his clothes and then indecently assault a co-worker. Jeez. Uh, oh. 
Yeah, not oh not not a good result. Now this happened about a year ago, and uh, he was just actually recently convicted of the indecent assault charges. They finally uh, stuck in court. Now mm-hmm. all of this though, uh, it, it makes me wonder a couple things. Hmm. Like, mm-hmm. had Carl done this at other jobs before, and like nobody noticed? Like, hmm. did. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they like didn't care. Yeah. What was this just the first job that he was like? You know what would go well with this job? Fentanyl and bath salts. Like I got a feeling that wasn't the case. And like I mean, is there anybody that can function as a normal human being with those two things in your system? Because like, yeah, good luck. That's pretty high up on the list, you know. I mean, totally, there totally. there are drugs that you can function and you can keep hidden. That's why people have addictions of things like alcohol and uh, smoking weed all the time and things. But but bath salts and fentanyl, that's good luck controlling yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's a high combination there, you know. And Carl, I see what you did there. Carl, it. Uh, it didn't work out for you, Brosoph. It didn't. Um, Dave, uh, were you trying to get some sausages from Kosovo last week? Hmm. I was not. Okay, good. It wasn't you. Ca- ca- uh, sausages for what? From Kosovo, the country. Uh, no. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, it wasn't you. This past weekend at Newark Liberty International Airport... A man from Kosovo Uh had his luggage searched Uh at customs, and when it searched, U.S. Uh Customs and uh, Border Protection agent Cody, which is a dog, by the way, Uh Cody uh, discovered 88 pounds of prohibited homemade sausage. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, rude. It's prohibited because the pig meat could be at risk for spreading diseases, like uh, foot and mouth disease. Oh. Now, um, okay. Well, we don't we don't want that. No, they compared it in the in the actual news article. They compared it to an illegal bus mm-hmm. that they had earlier last week at Newark Airport as well. Mm-hmm. But that bus mm-hmm. was for illegal bush meat mm-hmm. from Ghana. Bush meat. Yeah. So it's like basically anything that you can find in the bush. So like. Monkeys, oh. uh, you know, it, basically anything around, it, just all kinds of crazy animals in there. And they yeah, yeah. they said that bush meat has been associated with outbreak of diseases uh, like Ebola. Wait, what? And I was like, whoa, maybe maybe uh. there should be a priority on bush meat over sausage. Because I mean, yeah, not to downplay foot and mouth disease, but you give me the choice. Gonna pick that one over Ebola, that's for sure. That's a fact. Uh, you know. Right. Uh, the other thing I started thinking about, though, was, you know, they, they were giving a lot of praise to the dog Cody for finding this 88 pounds of sausage. And I was like, do you really? I feel like any dog could have Yeah, exactly. I was like, first of all, do you even need a dog? Like, it's pretty hard to hide 88 pounds of sausage. So true. And then... 
I mean, if the dog can find it, like, I mean, you should basically, that's a layup for a dog. I mean, I should be basically be able to oh, yeah. pull any dog off the street. I mean, Storm could find 88 pounds of sausage. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Probably turn in your dog card. I'm just saying. That's a fact. But uh, you know what I think would really help at the uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection? Hmm. Guard llama. Am I right? Oh. Am I right? Oh yeah, dude. That's try, that's true, man. Try try sneaking something past the guard llama crew. <laughs> nope. You you will be in a world of hurt it. after us. Officer llama is all up in your. Ew. No, sir. You did not want that. Uh-uh. <laughs> Amen. No, thank you. Um, okay. Speaking of animals, Dave, this is a this is a little uh, weird story here. Uh, in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Australia. So uh, a lady was leaving Cranbourne West Lost Dogs Home. So in Cran Cransbourne West Lost Dogs Home. Uh, which is, you know, a shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, a shelter. And yeah. uh, it was pretty late at night, and she was leaving after a long day. She got into her car, and as she got into her car, a man came up to her, uh, to her car, and he was wearing tactical gear, right? Mm. All like the Weird. camouflage and like a bulletproof vest, all this crazy. Sh- and she was like, huh. And she mm-hmm. thought maybe he was a police officer, you know? So she rolled down the window, mm-hmm. and the man pulled out a gun on her and told her to get out of the car Jeez. and hand over her mobile phone, to which she did. Mm-hmm. He then marched her back into the shelter, tied her up on a chair, and then, very, very strange, asked her, where are all the cats? Wait, what? And then left. <laughs> Where are all the cats? That's it. He just asked her, where are all the cats? She was sort of stunned about what everything was going on, so she didn't really even answer, and he just left and never came back. And she eventually got out of the chair and called the police. Right? It's very odd. Now, my first thought was like, it's a lost dog's home. It's dogs, man. Right. But... But then I saw their their sign for the shelter, and there is a cat on the on the the the, the sign. So I'm guessing they take all oh. animals. Would be my guess. They just right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. then poli- just police the apparently yeah. say that this guy thought he had some kind of idea in his head that they were killing animals at this shelter. Hmm. Um. Oh. But like, even with that idea, I started thinking. I was like. Do you really need the tactical gear hmm. to tell him to stop killing animals? Did he? Th- I guess in case he was thinking things got a little, a little wild. Yeah, like did he think the animal shelter had installed gun turrets? Hmm. Now I gotta go in here like Rambo escaping out of Vietnam. Here we go. Like, jeez, it's a, it's a shelter, man. Just go in there. If you think there are cats getting killed, just go in there with like a bolt cutter and let them go. Like. Basically, all you need. I don't think. I don't think they're holding down the shelter with AK-47s. Not usually how it works, but apparently that guy thought it was. Uh, okay, Dave. Uh, how did you? Uh, how'd you meet Kayla? Was it like a friend of a friend, mutual friend, something like that? No, I was. 
remember I was working at Longhorn and she left her number. That's Girl, right. You on. told me on the sh God, Dave. I you told me the story yeah, on the a, show. Now I feel okay. the listeners right now were like, Ben, you moron. He already told you on ben, air. Like ben, you, we remember you know that. You, you don't. That. Well, let's change the situation a little bit. Let's say okay. it was online dating. Hmm. And instead of being uh, in a, in America, yes. Kayla was in Iran. Mm -hmm. Word. Um, <laughs> would you pursue that potential love interest? Hmm. Uh, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. No. And 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 don't think, listeners. I'm saying that because Iranian women aren't lovely. I actually do have several yeah, Iranian I, friends that are beautiful ladies. But uh, Doc G loves Iranian women. But the Iranian government, <laughs> not such big fans of America. Not. I was just thinking the the distance, so but, true. you know, if we're going to get political. Well, um, I mean, you know, and by not big fan, I mean, the supreme leader of Iran called U.S. their number one enemy. So I'm saying, you know, if you're right. planning on going and visit your love interest, might be a little tough, you know, might, right. might be a little right. tough. But uh, that didn't stop Mike White. Nope. Mike White, back in 2018... The Florida basketball coach? Uh, not the basketball coach, no. Um, <laughs> this, this, this fellow was actually in the Navy uh, back in the day. I don't, he's oh. not currently there. Um, but he decided he was going to fly to Iran to meet a lady that he had met in a Yahoo chat room. Hmm. Now... The article, oh, the article said it was a while back. They said it was a while ago that they met. But I'm like, um, you better be like meaning like 20 years before. Because if you met in a Yahoo chat room after the year 2000, it's not really acceptable. It's that's what I was thinking. Not, I was like, that's just weird. <laughs> he, I was gonna, I was gonna push it to like 2005, but like anything before that, yeah, no, yeah, that's 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 odd. Um, but anyways, he flew to Iran to meet this lady, uh, and he had already done this mm -hmm. several times, but this time didn't go so well. He got there and he was arrested by Iranian police. Jeez. Um. And oh, yeah, and he went to Iranian jail. And uh, this may surprise you, Dave, but uh, Iranian jail wasn't pleasant. What? Uh, in fact, no, and it doesn't like Americans. It was I'm pretty sure. unpleasant. Uh, in fact, yeah. Apparently, they regularly put sewer cockroaches down his pants. Wait, what? Now. Oh, God. I'm not sure what the difference is between a normal cockroach and a sewer cockroach, but, hmm. <laughs> you know, adding the uh, term sewer in front of cockroach doesn't make them uh, any less gross. Nope. So, I'm guessing mm. they're pretty gross. But, anyways, Man. luckily for Mike, coronavirus broke out, and that actually meant uh, that he got a medical furlough and was uh, able to live in mm -hmm. the Swiss embassy. And eventually, he was released, and he got back to the U.S. in June. But, uh, Dave, uh, I don't know what this lady's policy in the story was about coming to America, but if I was Mike, I would have been yeah. like, hey, so I'll set you up with a plane ticket to come here to America, 
and uh, mm-hmm. that'll be cool. Uh, and even even if she wasn't even if she wasn't down with that, I'd be like, okay, how about we meet in Italy? We've got some Doc G show listeners yeah. in Italy. We've got good eats. Right. Let's hit up Italy. You know. But uh, mm-hmm. just saying, guys, if you fall into a love interest with somebody from Iran and you're from America, watch out. Uh, try not to get arrested. That's all I'm saying. So that was. The interest, another interesting part of that story is that you said he had um, been there before a couple of times. So yeah, I was surprised it wasn't a whole catfish thing. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's, it's, it, you know that 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 last time got him, man. It got him. Uh, Dave, I've got a story. Mm. Polk County, sweet Polk County. So uh, so you know, good old Polk County. It's gonna be some wholesome good news in this story for sure. Nope. Um, last week, Polk, sure Polk County officers arrested a middle school teacher at a racetrack gas station for possession of methamphetamines. Wait, what? Uh, oh boy. So around 1 a.m. Tuesday, uh, on a Tuesday, police pulled into the racetrack, noticed that a lady appeared to be asleep in their, uh, silver Nissan Altima. So the deputy decided to check on them, mm. make sure they were all right. When the lady woke up, she told the officer she was waiting for someone to come drive her home Hmm. since she doesn't have a driver's license. She doesn't have a driver's license because she got a DUI last May. Now, um, Mm. interestingly, they said in the article, the keys to the car were not located. Word. What? Mm. But... They did notice that there was a syringe and white crystal substance in the seat beside her. She told... Oh, boy. She told the police she does occasionally do meth. What? But she hadn't done any that day. (laughs) Apparently, uh, the cops didn't care, and they charged her and uh, took her to jail. Um, First off, Dave... I gotta say, what if she hadn't been caught? Oh, boy. I feel like her students would have had a really interesting day in class the next day. You know? Like, yeah. hey, <laughs> does anybody else think that our teacher seems like she's high on meth? Mm. Is that anybody Anybody else in this class think does that? Is it just me? Vibe? Like, second, where were the keys? Yes. I'm so confused by where the keys were in this story. Like... How did she get into the car? Hmm. Who has the keys? Hmm. How did the car get into the racetrack parking lot? Hmm. What? Like, come on, story. Give me a little bit more. Um, Third, Dave, I've never been one to carry methamphetamines on me or near me. But uh, Mm. wouldn't you maybe want to not leave them in the open? Just... I mean, just the thought. Yeah, that seems like something you'd hide. Like, just, I mean, under the seat, in the glove compartment, somewhere, you know, not in the open when you're in a parking lot with people. Just, just, right. I don't know. Uh, just, uh, just, just thoughts. Uh, Dave, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back here on the Doc G Show. We're going to take a listen to our guest, none other than Barnes, Courtney. Right here on the Doc G Show. Let's go.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Ladies and gents, do us a huge favor. Mm -hmm. Go on your podcast platform. Mm. I almost messed it up, but I got it. You got it. Go on your podcast platform Mm -hmm. and download the Doc G Show. Mm -hmm. Go do it. Give us a five-star rating and um, comment something that you like about us. Mm. Anything, really. We'll take any comment. Yes. You know. Positive. The more clicks, the better. Positive. Check out the Instagram, Mm. at DocGShow, Mm. and the website, www.thedocgshow.com or docgshow.com for more info coming up about other shows. Boom. Boom. We've got some good ones. I'm going to tell you at the end of the show today, too, as well. Uh... Thank you, Dave. Uh, here's the here's an idea. How about podcast distribution platforms? Word. Is that too nerdy? Is that Ooh. too much? Yes. I mean, I mean, I'll try and get it right next week. We'll see. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that, that. I was thinking about it while you were talking. I was like, that that sort of works. That's what you're doing. I don't know yeah, if that's because I, mean, I guess a podcast is a platform. I don't. So I, I don't know the distribution. Yeah, of the yeah. I mean, platform is just like too generic because it's like it, what, what platform for? And then you're like podcast, but mm-hmm. then it's like we, uh, yeah, what, what's going on with the podcast? You're just dis, you're distributing them. There you go. Blam. Just saying. Anyways, anyways, guys. Thanks for listening. We are going to do some shout-outs now, some international shout-outs. A uh, little low on the international shout-outs. A little sad about that this uh, this week, but it's all right. We had some that we had sad. some of our regulars in there, and, of course, we got to shout them out. Shout-outs. So, uh, first off, shout-out, Canada. Shout-outs. Our neighbors up north, mm-hmm. shout-out to Canada. That's Next. Fair. Shout out Spain, España, of course. Shout out to España. Thank you for listening. Yep. Shout out to the Netherlands. Yes. Yes. Shout out to the Netherlands. Shout out to Ireland. Of course, regulars in Ireland. We appreciate it, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, Shout out to the UK. Regulars in UK. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for listening. Shout out to Italy. The boot. Thank you for Shout listening. Out. Guys, as I promised, if yep. I if I have a lover from Iran and we need to meet somewhere, I'm coming to your country, guys. Word. It's happening. <laughs> and I'm going to woo her with your delicious food and deli- delicious ambiance and just lovely country in general. There you go. Uh, there you go. Shout out to Russia. There Shout we go. Out. Shout out. This is a new one. Palestine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. All right. There we go. Shout out to New Zealand. There shout it is. Out. There it is. International shout out. Thanks, guys. You guys, as I told you, the biggest spur in my uh, the mo- motivation for this show. You guys. Not to downplay the domestic listeners. I love you all. But the, the internationals. <laughs> You get it me going, hits, guys. It hits different. You get me go you get yeah. me go. It hits different. Dave is correct. It hits different. All right. One quick story I got left over. I found this one pretty funny, Dave. Um All right. Dave, you've probably heard the dangers of leaving a child uh in in the car while you go into a store, am I right? Hmm. I have apparently it's pretty toasty. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot a lot of things can be d- dangerous, you know. They can overheat. 
They can damage the car. They can hurt themselves. A lot of bad stuff. Jeez. Uh, a lady yep. in Beaverton, Oregon, learned this lesson this past weekend. Uh, so a mom went into Basics Meat Market on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. she just needed a couple of things, right? She was just getting literally meat and milk. Mm. That's the only two things she was getting, apparently. Mm. So she said, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna park right here, right at the front of the store, and I'm gonna leave my engine running and my four year old in the car. Wait, what? Um Oh boy. Yeah. And so she goes into the store for a couple minutes, and when she came out, a man was standing there and he began to lecture her mm-hmm. on how she shouldn't have left her child uh that was this young in her car unattended. Jeez. I mean, this dude laid into how irresponsible she had just been. Now, what Mm -hmm. made the situation really interesting was that this man had just stolen her car. Huh? What? Yeah. Yeah. So this was all recorded on the security footage of the store. This dude jumped in the car, drove off with the car, Realized almost instantly that there was a four-year-old in in the back of the car. Drove back to the store. Demanded the lady to take the kid out of the back seat. Then told her what a bad mother she was. And then drove off with her car. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) What a series of events. What? (laughs) Can you believe that? Like, you're getting robbed, and the guy's like, hey, you know what? You should be better mother. It's completely irresponsible of you. Is there anything? You need to make better decisions. (laughs) Is there anything else I should know about your car before I steal it? Thank you. And just drives off. Do you change your oil regularly? Yeah. (laughs) How are the brakes on this? You probably haven't looked at them in a while since you're such a bad mother. All right, I'll see you later. Girl, come on. Like, what? Who are you, robber man, to lecture her on being a mother? Like, why didn't he just drop the kid off and leave? Like, come on. What? Gotta give a lecture. Man. Uh, at, at last I looked, Dave, he hadn't been caught. So that guy's still on the loose in this car. There you go. Mm. That blows my mind. Okay, I know you know who this birthday suit wearer is. Don't know if you'll get it. We'll see. Um, I'm not very... It's a musical guest. And um, mm-hmm. I'm giving you 40%. Mm. Uh, okay. Born on January 20th, 1971 in Philadelphia. His father was a singer in the R&B group Lee Andrews and the Hearts. And his grandfather was a singer in the gospel group the Dixie Hummingbirds. Hmm. His parents never wanted to leave him with a babysitter, so they actually ended up taking him when they would do shows, musical shows. He would sit backstage By the age seven, Mm -hmm. he had started drumming at these shows. And by 13, he was the musical director of all the bands playing in the shows. By the time he graduated from high school, he had created a musical group with his friends where he played the drums. They were called the Square Roots. Eventually, they dropped Mm -hmm. the square part, and they were just the Roots. The Roots... The Roots have won three Grammys, 
They have released 11 albums. And in 2009, The Roots became the house band for the late night show with Jimmy Fallon. So true. When Jimmy Fallon moved over to The Tonight Show, The Roots came with him and have been the house band for Jimmy Fallon and The Tonight Show since 2000, uh, or well, since 2009 when he was with The Late Show. Name that birthday suit wearer. I got no idea. Didn't think you would. Didn't think you would. I bet you'd know what he looks like. He's the dude that plays the drums that has the big afro on, uh, on, uh... Oh, the one he always, like, talks to. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Questlove. Uh, Questlove is uh, the name. There it is. Okay. Questlove. Happy birthday, Questlove. Turning the big I five... I like him. Five O. Five O for Questlove. Jeez. Crazy. Man, does not look like it. Now that dude can play play the drums like nobody's business. And I mean it's obvious That's he's been playing sure. playing since he's seven. Crazy thing I heard about the roots, right? Uh the little story about the roots. Uh the roots uh were on Jay Z's unplugged on MTV, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh and mm-hmm. apparently Jay Z brought him in. And they literally listened to all of his songs once and said, yeah, we got it. Jeez. And then they backed him up wow. for that whole that whole performance off of basically wow. one listen of the songs that Jay-Z oh, wanted to play. That is impressive. Yeah. It's insane. And if you watch the uh if you watch the 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 actual unplugged, in, impressive. Impressive. Roots, some seriously, seriously talented musicians, and the one that has a birthday, Quest Love. Happy birthday, Quest. Uh, and Keep again, one one other unique thing about him. If you ever notice, he plays the drums really low. He has drums set much lower than any other drummer. And apparently, it was because he had a lot of drum offs back in the day. He would do a lot of drum offs on the street with like buckets and, uh, and you know pots and whatnot, and so Random he's thing. used to yeah. that lower positioning, and that's why he keeps his drum so low down there. That's what I've heard. Hmm. Don't know if that's a hundred percent correct, but that's what I've heard. It makes so, sense. Anyways, happy birthday, Quest. We are gonna take a break, Dave. We will be back yep. with the one, the only, Barnes Courtney, right here on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are extremely lucky to have world-renowned rock star and purveyor of fine leather jackets, Mr. Warm. Barnaby Courtney. Barnes, how are you, sir? Over three leather jackets, each <laughs> one more illustrious than the last. Sweatier and more disgusting, crystalline, raven in the might of performance. Uh, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm very happy. I literally just got into L.A. yesterday. Nice. Now, 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 do you only 
You only have three leather jackets? Sure. No, I'm ridiculous. I've got far more than three. I've got at least five. Maybe <laughs> even six. I don't know. My my go-to, I live in my jacket. I find one that I love yeah. and then never take it off. Yeah. And the sweat from the gigs that I played over time must have some kind of corrosive quality because <laughs> my favorite jacket now has enormous holes in the armpit. Oh, no. I kind of like that. Man. Can't smell if you don't have any armpits in your jacket. You just you'll sweat it right down on the ground. That's true. That's true. Just drips on the ground, my man. I've I feel like just on leather jacket status alone though, on your percentage of wearing it, like you could, you know, be a member of the Ramones. What? Like you wear it enough that I think you could qualify. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I don't have the talent and innovative skills of the Ramones in the 70s. What are you talking about? I mean, the jacket, man. It's the, the jacket. The jacket's important. It's a very big component of the Ramones, you know? It's right up there with talent. Nope. Right up there. Nope. You uh, you started out the pandemic. You were, um, uh, I feel like out of all the people that I've interviewed since the pandemic started, like, you should be the angriest. Because, like, yeah. the, the last... Uh, you're, right to, you're right to say that. I'm a very angry man. <laughs> I kicked a homeless man last night. Huh? Well, just, be, just because I'm full of rage. And huh? I hate poor people. Oh, no, no. That's not true. Please don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm being outrageous. <laughs> I'm gonna. That's the only thing that's gonna be cut from the the interview. That it's just gonna replay for thirty minutes. And people are gonna be like, "That Barnes Courtney." Like start of the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that could, could feel like he's such a he's such a mean guy. I don't want to be. Wow. I don't want to be associated that with that dude. Oh. Uh, but no, for like the last four or five years before the pandemic, it seemed like the the greatest fun and adventures a person could have that you were having. And then, and uh, then you just have to stop because of the the pandemic. Obviously, it could be worse, but really slowed down your fun and momentum of touring. I know people are like losing their jobs and like you know, yeah, to like yeah, leave their homes and things. And I'm like, I don't get to drink every night, and no one claps for me. It, it could be worse. Obviously, it could be a lot worse, but still. <laughs> Like, I mean, you know, you were, I mean, you had so much momentum and like all the videos that I've watched of you during those times, I'm just like, God, that looks fun. I want to be a part of that. Yes! Like that just. Man, you know what? Uh, the, I tell you the main thing that I took away from the real serious lockdown that I experienced in London. Yeah. Uh, was having the time to reflect on the past five years of my life mm -hmm. and realize how lucky I am and just how much fun I had yeah. when you're in it you're not really thinking about it you know you're just experiencing it but when I sat down and I actually like dreamed about all of my years on the road I was like oh my god I have lived a ridiculous existence yeah I mean just you know like even the days when I was starting it was just me and my tour manager like <laughs> in a little car even before we had the band before we had a tour bus like it was just so many nights of adventures with various locals from the gigs and radio djs and strange and exotic creatures of the night <laughs> and i don't mean women by the way internet i mean strange and exotic creatures of the night like raccoons. We found a whole garbage can full of raccoons <laughs> yeah and we 
And my man, we saved them. We saved yes. those raccoons. Yes. I've racked up some points in raccoon karma heaven. You lost you lost karma in in homeless people, but you gained karma in raccoons. So you know Oh, love raccoons, hate the homeless. <laughs> now that you can quote me. <laughs> So you started the pandemic when when you when first everything locked down. You were at your parents' house. I actually saw an interview where you were doing it from your parents' house, and your your brothers were still there. And your brothers are a lot younger than you. And I heard you talk about your brother Jude uh, and how he's sort of entrenched in this existentialism, just like climate crisis things and i've got to say it seemed like jude rubbed a little bit off on you while you were there because yeah, then i he I, rubs off on me every night <laughs> one of those families Wait, what? You, know, I, I you can't get away from it uh, I, just, <laughs> I watched an interview in july and then all of a sudden you're you're there to like questioning life and then and what's the purpose of agriculture and hunter gatherer society and i'm like oh no Oh no! It's 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 rubbed off on Barnes. Oh no, he's he's well, I mean, in it too. I mean, dude, I, I already knew about this stuff, but I think like the world has decided to bury its head in the sand, oh, in the yeah. proverbial sand, because as humans, uh, psychologically, we are not good at dealing with the overwhelming change, mm -hmm. uh, and we're not good at dealing with our own death. Yeah. You know, the ancient philosophy in Rome had to invent the phrase memento mori, remember you will die, so that people could just come to terms with the fact that life wasn't forever. It was actually designed to make it so that we value and cherish our days in this planet more mm. so, less mm -hmm. about being morbid and just sort of thinking, oh, <laughs> ever closer <laughs> to the cold embrace. Hey, everybody, you're going to die. I just wanted to be a downer. Anyways, that's... But man, man, it's... It is really, really bad. And it doesn't, it, climate change, as Obama said, it seems like a specter. You know, it's a ghost. It's almost like it doesn't exist because we don't experience it in our day-to-day -day lives. Mm. But the changes occurring on the planet are enormous. Um, for instance, just off the top of my head, uh, a study, a peer-reviewed study um, that was published in the Guardian newspaper revealed that 40% of the Earth's insect species um, have disappeared, mm -hmm. which is an enormous amount. Now, the ecosystem is incredibly fragile, and um, if so much as like a chink in that armor uh, that has developed over millions of years developed, the whole thing could fall down oh, yeah. um, and collapse in on itself. You know, I mean, insects are incredibly important to our way of life. You may not think that that gross bug crawling along your countertop is imperative survival but it is oh they are the pollinators yeah and not only that but they're they responsible for breaking down plant life and animal matter of dead things and then millions of other things in between that we would never even conceive of uh to produce this very delicate system of interlocking pieces and, it, and, and so i mean this this actually isn't a direct um result of climate change it's all interlinked but it also has to do with the way that we live our lives as a species of humans on the planet and actually if you really take the time to wrap your head around what's going on um it is terrifying and i will say with confidence that it's looking dire and we would have to make some 
enormous changes around. It's it's dire. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's uh. That, we we've took that turn again, Barnes. We we took that serious turn again. It got real serious here. It's you uh, brought this upon yourself. <laughs> Jeez. Well, now th- there's this over. Like you just said, there's a specter. Okay, all listeners, remember, there's a specter floating over us that we are going to die in several years if we don't do something very, very, very drastic. Just keep that in mind. The whole rest of this interview... I don't think it's, I don't think it's your fault, dear listeners. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's, it's any of your fault, it's, actually. It's, You're all just going about your lives... It's all their fault. What's all their fault? You probably it's... got families <laughs> to put food on the table for, or school, and you got things you're doing. Like the, the problem is that we, as a race of humans, have never encountered a problem like this before. Mm. On a global scale, we, we have to learn to work together in a way that we have never demonstrated in the history of humanity. Yeah. It's not enough for individuals to go out and make changes. We would almost have to start working together in the way that ants do to build their anthills. Like, it would require uh, unanimous action from all the world's governments. Um, and I, I don't know if we have it in us. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And uh, I remember reading about um, the ancient city of Constantinople, mm-hmm. of Byzantium. It was the eastern leg of uh, the Rome. Roman Empire mm-hmm. and the last surviving great city of the empire. It lasted for around a thousand years, mm-hmm. right? And uh, countless civilizations would try and take this city. Mm-hmm. But the amazing thing about Constantinople was that every single year they would continuously build this wall um, and it was just enormous. And so if you can imagine being a resident of this city and the wall that protected you was hundreds and hundreds of years old, mm-hmm. you know, like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was an enormous earthquake and the entire thing, right? This like behemoth of security uh, cracked and crumbled mm. and uh, and suddenly the city was exposed. So I believe it was uh, the Turks heard news of this, and don't quote me on that, I can't remember who it was, um, and they launched an enormous attack, and they thought, we're going to take the city, right? Mm. So, it was left uh, to the governing bodies to figure out, well, how can we fix this problem? They had such a short space and time to repair this wall that had taken hundreds of years to build. Yeah. So, one guy uh, goes to the local sports uh, coliseum Right, mm-hmm. and chariot racing was very popular back then, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was kind of like a similar vibe in terms of the people who attended to modern football games. Right, mm-hmm. you get all these like different people; they're really passionate about their individual teams, and it's a matter of pride. Right, and mm-hmm. they were they were denominated by colors: you had the red team, and the blue team, the green team, so on and so forth. Right, mm-hmm. so this guy goes down to the sports arena. You know, and he gathers all the people around. He says, our city is in peril. The wall is crumbled. We're in imminent danger of being attacked and losing our city. You need to go out there and represent your team and fix that wall, you know, mm-hmm. and be the best be the best representative of your chariot racing team. So um, 
all of these competing sports fans, they all went out in the thousands and started fixing this wall with gusto, not because of fear or guilt. Uh, competition. But because of competition. And actually, it's been proven uh, by modern studies that the most um, affected a person can be in terms of making real change uh, in their community is through our inbuilt competitive nature. And actually, as I said before in the call, our natural instinct when faced with guilt or fear is to bury our heads in the sand. So really what we need is, is some kind of competition that invokes people's sense of patriotism. Mm-hmm. You know, all that sort of proud boy energy that people use to go and storm the Capitol building could be rerouted, right? Suck in carbon <laughs> dioxide. Yeah. Yeah. Into putting pressure, you know, on governing bodies. Um, we have to figure out how to collectively come together to do something. But we have a very short amount of time. Amen. 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 Barnes, very impactful. Very impactful. Well, now that the uh, alarm has been sound and people probably turned off my show because they were like, well, this is depressing. I'm going to bury my head in the sand. Um, That's a fact. Let's you can be- cut this whole bit out. It's the nope. beauty of podcasting. <laughs> just cut it all out. <laughs> let's, let's bury our heads in the sand for just a little bit. Um, let's take the listeners back to the, the, the origins of your career. Say let's, what? Uh, so you were born in the UK. You moved to Seattle. And then you move back to the UK, uh, to Ipswich, which, fun fact, we had uh, Ida May on the show, and those guys are from Norwich, so right right up the right up the road from what? you. What? No way. Yeah. I, never, I never came across those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll check them out. Check them out. I Norwich to record when I was a, a young lad to Purple Studios. There, uh, there you go. Yeah. They uh really talented guitarist there uh, in Ida May. Uh, fantastic guitarist. But... I heard your aunt was the person who first got you a guitar. Um, now, yeah. when you were when you got that guitar, who were you trying to be? I'm guessing that was around 2005. So, hmm. Jack White, The Strokes, The Vines, was, was that it, or did you were you going older inspiration that got you to pick up that guitar? That's a really good question. You know, I don't think I ever intended to learn to play guitar. Yeah, my ambition was more rooted in being a performer. Mm. You know, I would see any any performer, be it in a band or in a stage show, or you know, I used to be jealous of the kid that voiced Simba from The Lion King. You know, I'd be like <laughs> sat down, <laughs> and be like, how the f- get that job? Like, I I can sing. I can I'm do a that. Kid. Like, yeah, I didn't even know that was an option to sing in The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Watching like Nickelodeon and, and like Disney Channel, seeing kids my age like acting in shows. They're like, "What? How are they? How are they doing that?" It's like, "Oh, well, you know, you gotta go to auditions." I'm like, "Well, let's do it. Come on!" But no, they're only really like in LA. I'm like, "Well, let's move there." Come on, mom, get your together. What are you doing? We're running out of time. Jeez. And uh, so I just, you know, I just always had a love for performing. It's something in my family that we do. Like we always make up stories and like anecdotes uh, together and like put on voices for each other. Yeah. It's just part of, of who I am deeply and intrinsically. But when I went to school in Ipswich, yeah. I went to the worst 
school in the county. Mm. Um, and uh, they didn't have enough money for a drama department. Mm. Um, now, I always wrote songs, you know, just in my head, and I'd, like, write the lyrics down as a kid. Yeah. And I'd write poetry, but it was never something where I aspired to be, like, you know, a guy in a band. It was just something that came out of me, right? Yeah. And uh, with no drama department and no school plays, the, the next best thing that I found was the, the, the school band, and there was, like, one. Mm. The, the school was full of, like, super hard, like, you know... Uh, we call them chavs in England, like chavy dudes. Mm -hmm. You know, the kind of guys that were into like burning stuff <laughs> and uh, and hard drugs. What's I was, your like, fourteen? I was what's so your green. pastime? Burning stuff. Oh, nice. So am I. Let's get into that. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, the first week that I was there, somebody burnt the, the gym down. Jeez. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I've been there a couple of months, and some guy got out of a car that I didn't know, punched me in the back of the head four times, huh. got back into his car, and drove off without a word that's, of explanation. That's really unnecessary. Yes! That's, man, that I would, so I was like, I might want to change schools. Three kids in the school with long hair that wore black, mm. and, uh, and these guys were in a band, and so all my friends played an instrument, mm. and, uh, you know, we used to go up to the music room at lunch and they'd all jam. And I said, oh, that looks fun. I want to do that. So that's really why I started learning. But I never poured my heart and soul into the guitar. Mm. Um, and even when we started playing together in, in my first band, I was watching Mick Jagger and Steven Tyler. Right. And I used to sit there uh, and I would take notes meticulously of like, well, oh, what's he doing on stage? Like, what was that that he did? What was he's that move? What did he strutting say? Strutting like a rooster is what he's doing. <laughs> nice. Exactly. Invoking invoking the powers of Dionysus to do it. Now, like you said, you were a band man uh before you struck it out on on your own. Uh and you, you the two big bands uh, that you were in that sort of noted uh Sleeper Cell and Dive Bella Dive. Uh and I don't I don't know if you know this, but there's there's a performance of you with Sleeper Cell on on YouTube doing uh you and I at the Dragon's Den. Mm. I took a gander at that. <laughs> and I I gotta say, I got a lot of Mumford and Sons and Dispatch out of your sound. I was getting a very vibe like That's what you got from, from the from the air trombone. What? Yeah, well not the air trombone part, but the, the harmonies and everything else. Yes. Yes. And I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I do have to say you had a slight resemblance to Billie Eilish in that video. Huh? Are you saying uh, resemblance in terms of overwhelming talent? Yes. Nope. That mainly. Oh, and you, oh sorry. You mean that I looked like a young teenage girl? <laughs> sorry, yeah. That that was more of it, but yes, the talent was there too. Both of them. Yes. Gosh, she's incredible. <laughs> I love Billie Eilish and Phineas. Well, I mean, you know, you you had the same you, you had the same look, and you have the same drive. So there you go. Now, uh, yeah, that, I was I was grateful for that time in that band. The singer uh, that I share all the vocals with, mm -hmm. like, hated me. What? Oh. But people used to come to the gigs because I used to wear really weird clothes, <laughs> and I would like jump all over the place like a deranged sugar plum fairy. So yeah. it was like the music was, shit, but it was entertaining to watch. <laughs> Um, mainly just 
because I annoyed the drummer so much. But the onstage drama was like a soap in and of itself. Hmm. Hmm. So you didn't you didn't uh, fit in that band as well as far as uh, personalities. I mean, they were my best friends um, in that band, and I loved uh, being with those guys for the years that we were. Yeah. But I think they never really wanted me to be the singer, and I was like super ADD and like you know couldn't remember anything, and I turn up to the gig like three minutes before like the band was scheduled to be on and like let's go jump on stage last minute like so yeah I, I just i think um i don't know i think those guys just never they were already a, a project before i moved yeah and then i was like i stepped in ah i gotcha i got well so with dive bella dive you guys uh got signed by island records um that glory didn't last too long though and they end up dropping the band. And uh, Dive Bella Dive, you played with Sam, who is still sort of your partner in crime. Uh, you guys collaborated on both of your albums. Were you and Sam the only ones that wanted to continue music uh, after getting dropped from the label? No. Dan, the bass player, was the first guy to sign a record deal after mm. he split up. And he signed another one pretty quick. It was like within six months. He moved to L.A., mm. married an actress. Mm. Uh, it all went terribly wrong. Uh, he lost his deal, moved back in with his mom. Oh, no. Um, and now he lives in Calabasas oh. with a new girlfriend. And oh. he's very happy. And I, I think he grows a lot of weed. I don't oh. know. There always seems to be a lot of weed. Okay. Photographs. Okay. Yeah, so he's, he's still making tunes. Ben, the drummer, went on to be like a tour manager for the Vamps. You know, the boy band, the Vamps? Yeah. Um, and various other projects like that. Hmm. Um, but I think Sam is just on another level. He's a genius and he's like, ambitious. Yeah. And hardworking. I mean, we, we split up that band and the dude was like, right, well, I'm not getting a, a job. Nope. First and foremost, <laughs> he's like, you know, he lived off a can of beans a day, one, huh. hmm. because that's all he could afford. Um, and he used to sell Polaroids. Uh, to tourists outside of Big Ben. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's what he did. So he'd go there for an hour, sell some Polaroids, come back, and just get to work on building synthesizers out of old yeah. technology like Furbies and, uh, you know, like speaking spells. He looks like a mad scientist, um, man. You go to his his webpage, and it's just, I mean, the, oh, the wires and the technology and he's just like i mean he has these videos of playing everything at once and i'm just like good lord that's that's crazy yeah i mean he's like he's definitely uh a genius level individual he's dyslexic uh and i think on the spectrum mm. and you know, a lot of people view these things as disabilities but sam is a walking example of how you can turn your special brain into a superpower yeah. Because although he can't read, uh, he has the ability to focus indefinitely from when he wakes up to when he goes to sleep. Mm. And through trial and error, he taught himself electronics and made these incredible machines. You know, yeah. I mean, he was living in a decommissioned old folks' home in Tottenham on a government scheme where you paid like tuppence to rent a dilapidated room in a crumbling building while the government figured out what they were going to do with it. And he. he he launched himself into this, and I was like, you know, really poor myself. I didn't want to get nine to five because I wanted to focus on music. Yeah. I was like, 
selling cigarettes in nightclubs and handing out free samples of Lipton's iced tea and a muscle suit and Crocs. What? <laughs> and I would go over to his dilapidated building. He was living in the office of this old folks home. Yeah. And we would make records together. And at the time, I was trying to sound, I wanted to make a record like a Jack White album, but mm. we didn't have an electric guitar. Mm. We had no guitar amps. Mm. What we did have was his laptop and a computer. And that was about it. Mm. And we had one microphone. And uh, so we just made this record out of what we had lying around, like an old filing cabinet made the drums and like some sticks on the hard tile floor. Yeah. Uh, you know, we found some old film cans and we would like hit those and make beats off of the wall and different things. And that is where we recorded Glitter and Gold mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On, on one microphone for, for no money whatsoever. And it's crazy because that is the version that I released. It's... For any musicians like listening to this podcast, that song facilitated my entire career. That song still to this day pays my bills. And yeah. I made it for no money. Like for nothing. What does it... You know, you don't need a fancy studio or an engineer. You just you need a Sam, basically. <laughs> hmm. Well does does that uh like I mean, when you made it, was it one of those that you were like, Yeah, yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be big. Or were, no, were you so not at all. I thought it was cool. I really liked, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I love this song, but I never in a million years thought that it would do as well as it did. Yeah. And neither did the label. We never released it as a single, Glitter and Gold. Hmm. Mm. Over the summer, I saw you post on Instagram about one of the, the big inspirations during that first album there, the, uh, the Ennio uh, Morricone post. And it could just be me being too stupid to disassociate the two names that have gold in them. But I hear a little ecstasy of gold in Glitter and Gold. Uh, I mean, was that one of the songs that you would say you were inspired by them? Yeah, totally. My, I never even saw the movies uh, until after I made that album. Mm. But my uncle was a huge fan, and he would, like, sing Ecstasy of Gold in the house to annoy his family. And, like, <laughs> play the different tracks on YouTube. Nice. And I think it just, uh, like, you know, bored in, into my soul. When I, and I, I don't know, there was something about being so depressed and, like, determined to get out of those circumstances mm -hmm. that I never if you asked me when I started playing music what kind of band I wanted to be in I would never have said I wanted to make a project that sounds like an old western you know <laughs> mixed with like an 80 year old man voice yeah you know like I grew up on pop punk like the best singers when I was growing up as a teenager as far as I was concerned were the ones who could sing the highest yeah and I thought my low range was useless for anything but Frank Sinatra covers. Yeah. Sweet. What well, your other the, the other big song there and the first the, the single that was in Bradley Cooper's movie and was you played on Conan uh that was that was fire and I heard you talk about how you you only you had a copy a version that you really liked the chorus on and you had a copy that you really liked the verse on, and you tried to basically merge them together, even though they had different uh, different beats. Do you they still have different ha tempos entirely? Do you still have that demo somewhere? That demo, the original or the one that I mixed, mixed together? The 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 mixed together one. 
that is the one that went on to be the actual record that I released. Wow. You did an so impressive he, job of merging time, them. Dude, I, I was just like living off of like a can of sardines every day. I worked out that sardines, kale, and bread was the <laughs> cheapest, easiest way to get as many nutrients as possible. Nutrition, yeah, nutrients possible. Um, <laughs> That's a weird, so, weird diet. I mean, it was. I used to go to the store and I'd put like twenty cans of sardines in the basket. And I remember like the woman looking at me once who was behind the counter and she'd be like, "Oh, I've been a fish call, are you?" And I was like, and "No, I'm just really poor." <laughs> so I was just like, "I gotta get out of this." And I remember sitting in a in a Starbucks next to a tube station. Mm-hmm from you know like the morning until it was dark outside and they were closing up just mm-hmm. like meticulously because uh, i didn't have the project files where all the drums and yeah. were separated from the instrument i had the mp3s mm. and neither of the producers would get in touch because i wasn't signed i didn't have management yeah i didn't have an instagram you know like i never played a gig for that project and i was just trying to figure out like how i could get them to so I, w- I would try and like cut feedback out of one bit and like put it over another, and then I just like nudging incrementally around, and I figured out that if I put the feedback in a certain place and got it just right, mm-hmm. it kind of tricks your ear into mm. thinking that the track was the same tempo. Mm. Um, and suddenly the song sounded like a decent tune. You know, I had the the chorus from the other one chucked out and the first from the first one chucked out yeah. and the two good versions sandwiched together and when it came to uh, making the actual record we sent the project file to the mix engineer mm-hmm. and he could not for the life of him get it in the exact same spot um, like he just couldn't figure it out Yeah, because uh, it was just one of those magical flukes so I actually had to go into the studio and uh and give him the project file I had of the two MP3s, <laughs> so he could like line them up. Yeah, um, I mean, it was just nuts. Man, that's crazy. Now, and then from like selling cigarettes in nightclubs, and you know, working part time in a Curry's and PC world, selling laptops, and you know, handing out free samples. All of a sudden, my phone was blowing up, and uh, yeah, next thing, next thing I knew, I was on tour with El King. Well, I mean, you know, looking at that first album. It, it's crazy successful. I mean, just on Spotify alone, there there are four songs that have over twenty five million streams. Jeez. Um, I feel like did did you feel any pressure going into four hundred four making that record? Were you like, oh crap, now I gotta now I gotta now I gotta produce something here. I gotta come up with something here. I think the weird thing about four hundred four was that over my years being very very poor and struggling Mm -hmm. i'd learned how to transmute um incredible depression into music but i was i was so depressed that i felt so overwhelmed that i couldn't even speak Mm -hmm. it was taking so much energy for me just to function as a human Mm -hmm. i felt like i was constantly like struggling with the tide just to keep my head above water Mm -hmm. and just to keep going and like have normal interactions with people paying for a coffee mm-hmm. um, and I, I think something about that just delivered song after song after song so my voice notes would just be full you know I'd wake up at 3 in the morning incredibly depressed and then record another voice note into my phone mm-hmm. um, and when it, when it came time to record my second record you know I've been 
through having the time of my life for three years. Yeah. Hanging out with my best friends, going on endless adventures um, across America and Europe. Yeah. And I was happy. And I and I sat down with Sam and realized that I didn't know the trick <laughs> to take happy emotions and make them into music. You know, and I knew that I didn't want to try and fake the emotions of the first album. Yeah. And I knew that that would upset some fans that the people would feel, you know, like the artist that they knew and loved had changed. But I thought, I, I don't want to make an album of me trying to recreate yeah. how I felt when I was depressed in music because it won't be genuine. Yeah. And I think, I think it will be immediately apparent. So, I, you know, I sat down with Sam and I was like, I think, buddy, we just need to try and have fun like we did back in the day mm-hmm. and just make whatever we feel like. Yeah. And Sam had, had amassed a very large amount of homemade synthesizers. Yeah. So I was like, let's just play around with these. Nice. Unfortunately, what I didn't realize at the time was that synthesizers made at home out of Furbies <laughs> sound a lot like every other synthesizer. <laughs> so the record, the record didn't have the unique Mad Max garbage synth sheen that I hoped it would. <laughs> um it's really, but, it's really what I wanted on the, the, the clip of the review was that exact phrasing, and it didn't happen. Ah. Oh, come on! <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I got my biggest single out of that record. Like, yeah. 99 went yeah. to the top five all. So I'm very grateful for that, and I think a lot of the fans love the record. But for me, I felt like 404... I don't feel like I was able to harness my creativity in the same way that was in that first album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, making 404, before you started working with Sam, uh, you convinced your record label that you needed a chateau. Word. And you needed time to write. And uh, I heard a great story about how while you were out there at your chateau, you ran into a personal trainer who apparently like to go on hikes and do shrooms. What? Um, now, <laughs> this guy, like, you wouldn't even believe that he was real. <laughs> he, was, he, was like a, he was like a character from a from a film or something. Yeah. You know, we talk like this all the time. Ooh. And then uh, I realized that he used to be a professional bad guy on CSI in mm. for years and years. That makes sense. Said, what happened? Why did you quit acting? Why did you? He goes, well, Bond, you know, I uh, had an altercation with a guy in a car on the road, and, you know, he stepped out of his car, and I stepped out of my car, and we, you know, we squared up, and so I roundhouse kicked him in the stern of Barnes. And he was being on the side of the road. I thought, oh, should I stay? Should I go? Uh, and now I was here. Far <laughs> away. And you were like, <laughs> you just... You just stepped over that whole should I stay or go part. Did he die or is he? I think the guy, I, I genuinely believe to this day that he killed the man. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, he was a huge dude. Like, he wasn't only muscly, he was just genetically programmed to be God. <laughs> now, did anybody in the story, I didn't hear one person of the story abstaining from the shrooms. I feel like in a venture like that, there needs to be a designated sober person. Was there a designated sober person? Well, where were you when I was halfway up a mountain? <laughs> off my little tip. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what. He just had, he had incredible charisma. 
Yeah. And he had us all under his spell. Mm. You know, I invited him to dinner, and he would say things like, you know, God's like, look, I know how it is, buddy, you know. <laughs> a couple of chicks in a hot tub, up to frisbee with an eight ball of cocaine. Okay, I've been there, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, sat there like, I have never done that. You were like, you have? Never. What? That's interesting. Jeez. Man. Well, so one day we go to the gym and he's like, listen, guys, we're not going to go. Uh, we're not going to gym workout today, okay? Vons, Katia, that's my film girl. Katia Vons, we're, we're going to go for a hike, okay? We're not taking her to this place to close out to the warden. So uh, just stick with me. You'll be fine. <laughs> Climb over the start up the mountain. Now listen, you two. Look for the coin. Head for two shrooms. Jail for donuts. Let's go and Let's do shrooms anyway. So he hands us both like a big fistful of shrooms and his big old shovel hands, right? And uh, and we take these things, you know. And I'm like, hey, hey whatever, whatever you say. He's probably the kind of guy that would have like run my village back yeah. in like ancient times, but just would have told everybody what to do. So, okay, whatever you yes. say. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Took the shrooms, and uh, and we realized about an hour into the hike why the trail is closed <laughs> the the path that we were walking on yeah had crumbled mm. hundreds and hundreds of feet below into this gaping ravine mm. and there was no way across mm. so i turned to go back and what are you doing what are you doing you get across this and he just boom <laughs> like off the edge of the path <laughs> onto like the sheer like you know, and this, rock face, this, just like a rock face covered in bushes, and just grabs <laughs> on to the foliage, and kind of like launches himself across, like you know, like <laughs> climbing like a muscular spider monkey. So I'm, I'm like you know, in skinny jeans and like nice. healthy boots, perfect like hiking gear, navigate my way gingerly across this like <laughs> treacherous. Uh, like you know, ninja warrior bush course. Yeah. And at this point, the mushrooms start kicking in. Everything's like spinning around, warping. Mm. I'm like, <laughs> I look back at Katia. Like, <laughs> and we, and somehow he's completely <laughs> fine. Did you check to make sure that he actually took them? Like I feel like, it's, yeah, I'm totally with you guys. I'm seeing all that stuff too. I got it. I think his brain was already in some other dimension. <laughs> so the mushroom... Brought him back to reality. I mean, he was real... Like, going back generations, his family had been, like, professional baseball players, film actors. Like, every single male in his lineage had, had some ridiculous tales to tell. And we got to the other side of the mountain, and um, my friend Katia was just covered in these black dots. Mm. And I was like... What is that? They're looking at him like, what the? They were moving. Ew. And they were ticks. Ew. They were all ticks. She was covered in tiny baby ticks. Ugh. And so she, she's sort of, you know, like really upset and like, oh my God. That makes like, sense. Covered yeah. in ticks. Like, it's really <laughs> unpleasant. And this guy's coming over. He's super blase about it. He's like, I see a few ticks in my time. Pick the <laughs> I'm like, are you pretty sure you're not just supposed to pick them off with your hands? Whatever, he's just picking them off. And get in the car, and uh, we start driving. And he goes, uh, oh, I used to be a tick on my leg, too. He flips out of the window. Let me take up my leg, huh? I, I, 
I've never, I've never actually seen this many chicks before in my life. You know what? We gotta get the here. We, we gotta get home and shower. We, you know, my buddy lost five years of his life to Lyme disease in a hospital bed. You're killing me. This is really serious. Start freaking the out. And maybe the mushrooms had something to do with it. Yeah. But he slammed his foot on the gas, and we careen off down these California roads, like screeching around corners. And hmm. end up back at his place, and Caddy had just immediately was like, "I got three showers, you know. That's the one there, one there. Everybody get in the shower, and wash your kids up." So, you know, we all get in the shower, and the next thing I know, I just hear this like blood curdling shriek, and I come out, and it's my friend Cadia, completely naked. She run out of the shower because she's found three or four large ticks burrowed halfway into her neck. Ew. Now, sub- subsequent research revealed that what ticks do by instinct is when they get on you, they crawl up to the highest, warmest point on your body. It's a survival tactic. Mm. Um, so these ones had had plenty of time uh, <laughs> on the car ride over. To get up to there. Get deep inside her neck. And I mean, it was revolting. Ugh. Because half of them had disappeared inside of her. Ugh. And the other half was like wriggling around and like, you know, convulsing. Yeah. So she she was like really freaked out. It's understandable. She's completely naked. And this guy's like stood next to her, like, oh my God. He's like trying to pick these ticks out of her neck with his bare hands. Ugh. And keep in mind, we're all still on mushrooms. <laughs> and we get back and and the whole band at the Chateau is waiting for me and they've been waiting for me all day and it's now dark and I, I'm like turn up wearing clothes that are about five sizes too big so I had to borrow the muscle man clothes and everyone's like dude what the hell like where were you no <laughs> whose clothes are you wearing no songs today I guys I was like dude I have to I have to I can't I just have to go to bed Ugh. And we uh, we made no music for that entire month. I, d- I, I mean, if if any day was like that day, I don't, I, I completely understand why you didn't make any music. Yeah. In fact, I feel like that one day would take me off the rails for the rest of the month just by itself. I'd be like, eh. Well, I'm glad you understand because the record label. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. You eventually got with Mad Max, uh, Sam, and 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 got the album done. So you know, all all's fine now. You're good. You know, that's a fact. <laughs> Something else that seemed like a lot of fun over the past five years, uh, aside from the unnecessary chateau, was you've got to eat a lot of great things. Word. I mean, I have seen some pretty delicious and unhealthy things that you have eaten in videos. For instance, Pink's Hot Dogs made a custom hot dog just for you. Wait, what? Just for you. That was great. And it had like 37 Anyone... strips of bacon on it. That's a fact. Completely unnecessary, was, but awesome. It was enormous as well. It was like the longest hot dog I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was like, what makes you guys think that that's what I'm most likely to enjoy? That's you. That's me <laughs> in hot dog form. Like, what, would, what would Barnes like Oh, I know. He's probably like putting really large, long, phallic things in his mouth. Let's make him the longest hot dog possible. <laughs> and we'll throw 37 strips of bacon on it. That'd be pretty good. That sounds good. He'll like yeah, that. Yeah, dude, I love food. Now, can- I, love, I have a routine where I eat disgustingly 
like, you know, drink maple syrup out of the bottle and, mm-hmm. like, you know, just put whole cream and everything and eat all manner of different pastries. And then I'll go on the sexy man diet uh, <laughs> for, like, four months, get into <laughs> fabulously good shape, and then begin the cycle again. <laughs> That's That sounds rough on your body, That's but right. also it allows you to have fun I things. I gave myself hypoglycemia. <laughs> I, I, it does, doesn't surprise me. No, that sounds like something that would definitely happen there. Uh, I mean, I'm no doctor, but I didn't have hypoglycemia before I started doing this, <laughs> and now I do. So, it's a weird coincidence, am I right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if those two things are correlated or not. Pretty sure they're not. It's fine. What's What's the best thing right now thinking about all the food? Can you think about one place across in the nonstop touring that you're like, man, I, I, I would want to go back there the most right now as far as food goes? I had a tour of the Jim Beam Whiskey Factory. Oh. Because uh, I... I'm sponsored by those guys, oh. which basically just means that I drink a bunch of whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. Nice. <laughs> so I went to the factory, and I got you know relatively buzzed mm-hmm. with my manager, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a gig. It was my second tour with L King mm-hmm. years after the first one, mm-hmm. and I was supporting her that night in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, my manager and I, we, we came out of the whiskey factory, you know, relatively drunk. Yeah. And we found the best restaurant I've ever been to in my life. Mm. I, I can't remember what it was called. Mm. As I say, uh, <laughs> not entirely complimentous. And we, we went in and it was like, you know, just all adorned with beautiful golden artistry. And there were all these like, you know, old money Southern types <laughs> dining amongst the napery elegant. And... We kind of swanned in in the air, smelled like sweet jasmine and, mm. and wood smoke. And we sat down, and it was just the most delicious, like, melt-in-your-mouth, glorious, godly, you know, baby Jesus steak mm. you've ever eaten in mm. your life. And that was incredible. And the mashed potatoes were full of truffle oil. And the butter had truffle and Everything had truffle in it. Mm. And all of the... I mean, the old fashions, they were real old fashions, you know, from the South that were made with the wise and old hands, mm. Southern alcoholics. And they were just <laughs> amazing. And I, we came out of this place about three hours later, just like, <laughs> you know, like disgustingly drunk and full. That's, and then, <laughs> that's a great way I, I to pregame for your show. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being stood next to the stage, you know, just backstage, like, just about to go on. Yeah. For the support gig for El King, like, swaying on the spot and looking very ill. <laughs> and my manager <laughs> staring at me and going, F*** you know, Bob, I'm so sorry, mate. <laughs> I mean, the, as much as you move on stage, I feel like I'm very surprised that you didn't throw up during that performance. Dude, I don't know what happened. Because I went out there and I killed it. It was like one of the best shows of the tour. You're like, whatever that was, we got to do it again. Every single show, we got to have that happen. I just had this conversation with one of the actors. I was like, is there any way we could set up a series of writing sessions in the (laughs) South uh, in such a way that it would make sense for you and I to go back 
to that restaurant again because that was one of the greatest days of my young life. Nice. Not, well, something not so great that goes along with that. You did break your foot uh, on at Summerfest. You jumped off. That was great, though. You, it was? What? You, you jumped off it stage was... and broke your foot. Like, did you know instantly? Like, yeah, it's broken. I mean, I had a suspicion. <laughs> you know, from the searing pain in my foot bones. Yeah, with my bone and my foot sticking out of my shoe. Oh, that's bad. That doesn't look good at all. It was an enormous stage, that one. It did. I mean, like... I saw the replay, yeah. highest stage I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Summerfest in Milwaukee, right? And my tour manager at the time actually said, I remember, like, I was like, don't jump off this stage tonight, man. You know, you, you're going to break something. or Whatever. <laughs> um... I'm like backstage, you know, having a good time chatting to the bands. Yeah. The record label had taken forever to decide um, if they were going to let me choose my next single. And they hadn't been getting back to us because they'd been dealing with the Katy Perry records. They were mm. ignoring me. Mm. Um, and they finally called and they're like, right, yeah, you can release Golden Dandelion. But they told me so late, right, that I didn't have any time to shoot the video. So mm. I'm like in a bathroom backstage like lip syncing to golden dandelions like a girl filming me so they can like photoshop my talking head into some kind of like psychedelic nice video like the other bands like knocking on the door like i'm filming a video and i went out and uh they had the crowd like 300 feet away from the stage. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. Is that, is that right? It's 300 feet. It was ridiculously far away. Eh, it looked... I, I, do I mean, i definitely give it at least 50 for sure. It was at least 50. I mean, there was like... There, there was a barrier separating quite a large area from yeah. the stage. Yeah. It was then like an entire lane for golf buggy traffic. <laughs> then there was a photo pit. And then there was like a security pit yeah. And then there was the audience. They it, were like, back. And it was annoying. The <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't connect to the crowd. So on the last song, I like ran and, and leapt off the stage. Yeah. So I want to make this cool photograph. So I pulled my like feet right up. You yeah. Know? Like, like an enraged spider monkey. Yeah. And, and I remember like hitting the ground and I, it was a festival. So what I thought would be like a grassy, landing <laughs> was actually concrete oh. and i realized the whole thing was being held in a parking lot <laughs> and i just felt my foot snap and my searing pain and i went down and i'm still like miles away from the crowd so i'm like you know quasimodo huddling over <laughs> hobbling to like trying not to let them see me cry you know like <laughs> finish the set hobble off yeah i'm like 90 percent sure i broke my foot Mm. So you get the flight out to LA and management's freaking out because I've got a whole festival run. I got Lollapalooza to play. I'm playing uh, the Grove in LA, like a whole run of festivals. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, like, I ain't Dave Grohl. I can't <laughs> just sit in a chair and expect people to be infused about seeing me. Nobody knows who I am. Yeah. You know, like, they don't care if I broke my foot. Then I can't hold the crowd. Yeah. So uh, I was thinking, like, how can I make this entertaining? For the audience, I was like, oh, what if I got like a hospital gurney and a hospital gown and an IV stand and I had like someone dressed up as a nurse and like push me around the stage? That'd be quite entertaining. Yeah. I thought. But everyone on my team was like, no, that's 
stupid. Like, don't do that. It's ridiculous. Like, why would you ever? Slame. Why would you ever think? This? Yeah, like that's not gonna work. Like that's not gonna be cool. You know, even my manager was like, you know, bones. Don't you think that's a bit cabaret? <laughs> I'm having this ongoing battle. The gig's coming up. It's approaching. I had a terrifying interview with Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. Yeah. He didn't so much as ask me questions. as just make like aggressive statements at me. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally just would just like look at me and be like, Oh, uh I steal bikes when I was your age. <laughs> like, uh, that's nice. How many did you steal? I, I remember, you know, even the people who ran the grove, like they didn't want me to do it and they were like trying to get me to put pants on. <laughs> you know, I got into a little golf buggy the get to the stage. Yeah. You know, and they were like, You can't play like that and I said to the girl next to me, like, drive and she like put the pedal down and <laughs> we're driving and then I realized it goes like three miles an hour. <laughs> get out of here Stafford is walking next to me like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> so I, anyway, eventually I did the thing. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Because there you go. I remember seeing uh, Charlie in the chocolate factory, you know, when um what's yeah. his name? Gene Johnny Johnny Depp? No, the no the seventies one. Oh, the original. Uh, is was it? Is it, oh, who is that? Oh man, really famous uh, comic actor. Yeah, um, and he plays he plays uh, Willy Wonka in the seventies one. And I remember he in an interview was like, when I did the scene where I first emerged as Willy Wonka, I deliberately did this move where it looks like I'm gonna fall, and then I do a tuck and roll because I knew that if I did that, they would never know what to expect from me next. And they would constantly be on edge. I had this this routine going where I'd like come out in the hospital bed, and the nurse would like, you know, be pushing me around. And then for the songs when I didn't need to play guitar, I would like get her to lead me over to the microphone, all decrepit and sort of like you know shaking around and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I would throw my crutches aside and start like jumping around on one foot, and you could see people in the audience like, oh man, like I hope he falls off stage, and breaks another <laughs> foot. <laughs> he could be he could be seriously injured here. Awesome. Keep yeah, watching. Like, <laughs> I might see a death. <laughs> you know? And it was so those shows were the most fun I've ever played in my entire life just because of the the drama and intrigue you could create. Nice. Uh, with being seriously injured and potentially getting more injured. It was so much fun. Nice. And I went on Bumble. I, you know, I found this girl. I was like, not being weird or anything, but <laughs> do you want to dress up as a nurse? It's not in a sexy way. It's like to push me around on a hospital journey. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a musician. It's like, you know what? Just <laughs> not in a sexy way. Just in a normal nurse <laughs> way. Push me around. That's what I'm looking for. But, but, uh, that's I good. Loved, I loved it. There you go. That's good. Gene Wilder. There it is. Gene Wilder. Well, that's it. Gene Wilder. That's who we're looking for. Well, uh, this summer you released Hard to Be Alone. Uh, EP and a pretty apt title for the pandemic. Um, overall, how was it creating that, being in this new world that we're in? It was difficult. I'll be honest. I had I had ambitions uh, for those songs. Mm -hmm. You know, I really wanted to make beautiful uh, string arrangements mm -hmm. and kind of delve into the sort of soundscape that Nick Drake created. Yeah, on tracks like Riverman. Yeah, all these. Um, bizarre, ever morphing arrangements that kind of glide in and out of different emotional states. Mm -hmm. I really love uh, the way that he does that. It's really, really beautiful and interesting. And I, I felt very limited. You know, I'd written these songs and I knew that I needed to release something because that was like 
the time when people were most bored and yeah, you know, it's my job to, to release things people listen to. So I was like, I've got to put something out. But I felt I did feel a bit sad that I had to kind of do these bedroom demos. But it, you know, in a way, it's a snapshot of the time that I was in. For sure. You know, I wrote the songs during that period and uh, and I released them, recorded in my bedroom at my parents' house. Again. Just, just, just like the songs you recorded with Sam, they came out amazing for recording them there. And I mean, the sound is fantastic. Big fan of "Hard to Be Alone." Oh, it's a good you. song. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, last question. We're coming up on a year without touring. Uh, how many times have you pictured that first show back? You know what? Like touring is my favorite thing in the entire world. But I did it every day for five years. Yeah. With a week at Christmas and a month per album and I was burned out so it, it's been a wonderful blessing for me to be able to take this time off and regroup you know nice and work on new material so I'm excited to go out and play again but I want to come back with a whole brand new album and a new concept nice nice totally totally uh, are, are are you planning on collaborating with Sam again is the mad scientist going to be involved? I mean, you know, I'm really proud of him. He's just bought his second house mm. with uh, his Mad Invention YouTube videos. Mm. I think he's really happy, and he just, like, music's always been something he's interested in, but he loves to build synthesizers. Yeah. And, you know, I really have to switch his arm to get back in and do another session. <laughs> We're really good friends. So he, he kind of did it for me, but he said to me last time that we went, he bought this old dental surgery knocked all the walls down and made it into like an evil genius <laughs> emporium <laughs> it was just like you know dude my heart's just not in music anymore i just i love building things mm. and working with my hands and creating things out of junk there and that's go. all i want to do mm. so you know we, we did a few sessions but it just it wasn't the same you know and he didn't really want to be there it was a favor to me so yeah i gotta step out and find some new which is which is sad you know because I think Barnes Courtney really, being completely honest, was a band between me and Sam. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he was just too neurotic to ever come on the road. Yeah. So it's definitely the end of a chapter. But, uh, you know, I'll find a new writing partner and a new setup. Nice. Put a new band together. Nice. Nice. Well, when you're back on the road, you're going to stop here in Florida, am I right? I love playing Florida. Yes. 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 That's what I like to hear. Barnes, thanks. I love it when we play a late night gig and I can just like go into the sea, swim <laughs> about like an albino turtle. <laughs> what? That's that's all we ask of you is to do that. Nope. So as as long as long as you can do that, then you will then you will bring the masses to your to your shows. <laughs> oh God, that seal pup's terribly deformed. Oh, that's Barnes Courtney. We gotta we gotta bring him back. It's I mean that's what he normally does. Am I right? We gotta bring him back. Come on now. Yes, Barnes. <laughs> thank you for taking so much time and talking with us today, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, thank you for allowing me to rant almost nonstop in the last hour and eight minutes. <laughs> well, listeners, you can check out all things Barn Courtney at barnscourtney.com or on Spotify or on Instagram at Barnes Courtney. Right now, let's take a listen to that well-recorded in his parents' house song, Hard to Be Alone, right here on the Doc G Show.
we are back here on the Doc a G a show. Barnes Courtney. There it is. Yep. My goodness, that guy. I'm telling you, man, it's like I told him. Those past five years of his life, they look like the most fun. My goodness. They look so fun. I mean, just rock star life, man. So many adventures. There's so many. I mean, I like I like I told him too. I would like to be on that mushrooms adventure, but being the sober person. That's a fact. I would be the sober person right. documenting all the ridiculousness that they were doing when they were outlandishly high on mushrooms. You know. That's so true. But and that food in Kentucky. I don't care what a state of mind you're in. I would like to be at that restaurant. I'm going to hunt it down. I'm going to find all the best restaurants around the Jim Bean factory, and we're going to eliminate them, me and Barnes, one by one, till we find the right one. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, Dave. But I want to thank Barnes for coming on the show. It was fantastic. And he is correct, folks. We need to do something about the climate crisis. Very true. Keep that in the back of your minds. Don't bury your head in the sand. It has to happen or we all have big trouble in our future. So keep it in mind. Barnes, keep us enlightened. Keeping us woke, as the folks say. Word. Woke is what they say sometimes. Word. Do they still say that, Dave? I don't know if they still say that. Huh. They, they, they. I mean, I don't know who they is, yeah. but I think they still. Okay, do. let's. Yeah, let's say they do. We'll, we'll say they do. Um. Okay, <laughs> Dave, you know what time it is? Hmm. Yes, sir. It's shoe and tell, baby. Shoe and tell. Oh, yes, indeed. I forget what number we're at. I think we're at like thirty-three or something like that, somewhere around there. I should have saved one of the Scotty yep. Pippins for thirty-three. That would have been good, Girl, but I didn't. Dang. Uh, that would have been smart. Dang. Uh, what I have today, I've been saving it for a long time. I put the first one out there, the old love. I have got Jordan, new loves, Say black what? and yellows, Ooh. dead stock from 2007. Oh. That is correct, my friend. Wow. Jeez. That is, that is right. impressive. 13-year-old dead stock. You heard it here. That is true. Now, I told you, uh, we had... What self-control there. Yeah. We had several weeks ago, I had the black and yellows. Now, these are the opposite. That's what I I think is so cool. Where it's it's the reverse, sort of like the flu games. Where there's black, there's yellow on these. It's nice. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the coolest thing about these, I think, is the yellow yellow soles. That's that's cool. Right. That's very cool. It's a nice touch. Now, uh, you know, that's also one of the reasons why I've never wore these. Because you, as soon as you wear those, that yellow sole's getting dirty. Doesn't matter where you step. Mm-hmm. That's picking up dust everywhere, man. You can't can't wear those. Like, you can only wear those on, Unfortunately. like... Yeah, I don't know. Bleached tile. That's it. Wait, what? On basketball court, like a, a freshly cleaned basketball court. Yeah, gotta court. be super freshly cleaned, too. You go in one of those old gyms, you're gonna pick up dust. They're gonna be dirty as crap after a little yep. while. You're gonna pick up black streaks on the bottom. People are gonna be spitting on the court and stuff. You're gonna pick that up? No. Blam. No, thank you. Can't wear them there. That's why they're dead stock. That's a fact. But I do love them. They're one of my... They're one of my favorite pairs to look at because they just got, I mean, obviously, it's it's the ones. They've got an iconic look. Two is the yellow. They just look so fresh. 
And three, just like the other black and yellows, they remind me of Wiz Khalifa. So, you know, yeah. what can you Ooh, do? Black and yellow, black and yellow. There you go. There you go, Dave. 33s. There it is. Boom. Boom. Love it. In and Love out. It. In and out. Okay, Dave. Third birthday suit. Third birthday Let's suit. Let's go. Now, this one, I'm giving you a little bit more, but I we've mentioned him. We mentioned him several times, and we mentioned his partner in crime uh, as a birthday suit. I think it was this year. I'm pretty positive <coughs> it's this year that we mentioned him. So, here we go. I'm giving you 55% on this one. Hmm... Our birthday suit wearer was born on January 20th, 1930 in Glen Ridge, New Jersey. As a boy, our birthday... Say that again. 19 what? 1930. Oh, boy. Yeah. So he is 91. 90... Yeah. 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 And he is alive. He's still alive. Uh, As a boy, our birthday suit wearer became a Boy Scout... And achieved a rank of Tenderfoot Scout, hmm. which I didn't know was a thing, but apparently it's a thing. Either Tenderfoot, uh, it's apparently in between a Scout okay. and a Second Class Scout. Didn't know that. Oh. Anyway, this dude earned that. That's a fact. Uh, he then decided to go to West Point in 1947. He graduated. He became a Second Lieutenant in the Air Force. In 1963, he earned a doctorate in astronautics from MIT. Jeez. In 1963, he became an astronaut for NASA. He was part of the successful Gemini 12 mission. Then in 1969, he went on Apollo 11 to go on the moon. On July 21st, 1969, our birthday suit wearer was the second man to ever put his foot on the surface of the moon. Hmm. In 2016, Oop. our birthday suit wearer became the oldest man to visit the South Pole. Wow. Jeez. 86 years hmm. old, he visited the South Pole. The Name South that Pole. birthday wow. suit wearer. Hmm. Shoot, man. I. I'll give you a hint. I don't have. I'll give you a hint. The character in Toy Story okay. was named after him. The new toy, not the old toy. The the toy. Th- oh, it's Buzz something. Yes. Oh, uh, I don't have it. Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin. See, I thought you were. Yeah, the Buzz. It sounds familiar now that you said it, but. I didn't have that in the bag. Yeah, well, see, I and here that was the thing. I thought, uh, I thought you were gonna get uh, when we were when we did it back in the day for uh, Neil Armstrong. I thought you were gonna get. Right. I thought you were gonna get them confused. But here, I guess, right. I guess, I guess you're a Neil Armstrong man, not a Buzz Aldrin man. Who knew? Yeah, Neil through and through, I guess. (laughs) There it is. There it is. But Buzz still kicking, man. 91. 91. Get it, Buzz. Get it. Second man on the moon. When you think about that, that is just, I mean, pretty dang insane. Am I right? I mean, yeah. like when you think about just going to the moon, I mean, 
Not really many people can say that. Very few people can say, I was on the moon. And this guy can. This guy can say, I was on the moon. It's pretty wild. No, he's got some he's got some cojones that And one. I mean pretty much I think I'm almost positive he's the only guy that can say I was on the moon, I went to the North Pole and I went to the South Pole, which he can say all of those things. That's Oh man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Pretty wild. Buzz has had a crazy 91, 91 years on this planet. Uh happy birthday, Buzz. Him, happy birthday. Dave, time to tell you about some fantastic shows. We've got two great guests coming up. I am very excited. Next week, we have Bones Owens. Bones Owens is a fantastic musician. Uh, I mean, played with with some greats in the day. Probably uh, best known as Yellow Wolf's uh, guitarist. Um... Sweet. There was a point in time they fit really well together because Bones has an insane amount of uh, tattoos and uh, he's mm-hmm. very skinny. And uh, mm-hmm. there was a point where they were touring where it was Bones, Travis Barker, and Yellow Wolf. And all of them are <laughs> very skinny and very skinny tattooed. Tattoos. Yes. So they, they looked like they were they part were good, of a gang. They were a good crew. But uh, yeah. but Bones is doing his own thing, man. He is making some fantastic cool. music. He's releasing his new album coming out next month. That's right. Very excited. He's living in Tennessee, uh, doing some great things. If you watched any NFL on Fox, you probably heard mm-hmm. Bones on there because he has been used oh, in their promotions the whole season. So... You I love pro- it. You probably heard some bones. I'll be on the lookout. And he loves football, too. We're going to talk a little bit football, no doubt, as well. We've also got there Joe go. List, the comedian. Fantastic comedian. Open for Louis C.K. for a long time. I'm very excited about having him on the show. Dave, I can't wait for yes, it. We're kick- 2021. It's fantastic. We're, we're kicking it off. You're we're making butt. it happen. Yeah. Yeah. But until next week, we're going to have to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, that guy that may or may have not actually had that hole-in-one with a putter, Dave Burles Berlin. Word. Only one way to find out on our future match, Doc. That's right. That's right. Future putt-putt. We will, I will, I will record it, and we will have it on the, the IG. Expect it on there. The, the showdown. Putt putt. It's coming in the future. Get ready for it, <laughs> listeners. It's gonna we be have exciting. To have, like track suits and everything for exactly. it. Exactly. It's gonna be insane. Yeah, we're gonna put it on the, the golf software so you can really get excited. Anyways, until next go. week, I have been your host. Wait, what? Doc G. Huh? <laughs> what what did I totally just tripped over my words, Dave. I was I was he, like, he wait just a second. Repeated it again. I know. I know. What am I doing? That. What am I drunk? No, I'm not. Anyways, until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.